Hello and welcome to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. At Emmanuel Croydon, we exist to be a community drawn together by our desire to know and follow Jesus. We long to become disciples of Jesus who are equipped to serve him in the whole of life, transforming families, communities and workplaces as we love God with heart, mind, soul and strength. We hope you enjoy this week's talk from the morning services. Thank you for joining us today. Grace and peace to you. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of the Lord. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God On this mountain. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. That is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. 
God also said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name by which I am to be remembered from generation to generation. Go, assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, appeared to me and said, I have watched over you and have seen what has been done to you in Egypt. And I have promised to bring you up out of your misery in Egypt into the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. The elders of the Israelites will listen to you. Then you and the elders are to go to the king of Egypt and say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. Let us take a three-day journey into the desert to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand compels him. So I will stretch out my hand and strike the Egyptians with all the wonders that I will perform among them. After that, he will let you go. And I will make the Egyptians favorably disposed towards this people, so that when you leave, you will not go empty-handed. Every woman is to ask her neighbor and any woman living in her house for articles of silver and gold and for clothing which you will put on your sons and daughters. And so you will plunder the Egyptians. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Jeremy, thank you. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I pray that you would come now and do what I can't do with these words. Breathe life on them by your spirit. And bring change in our hearts. Pray especially today that you would give us a fresh vision of who you are. A vision that will transform us. We pray for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, I wonder if you know the meaning of your name. My name is Jonathan, and uh, I don't use it all that often apart from on official forms. Uh, But if I'm honest, this week I I did know the meaning, but I had to double check. And it comes from the Hebrew, the Lord has given. That's what Jonathan means. So what what about you? Do you know uh, what your name means? Do you know why your parents chose it for you? My guess is that many of us who were born in this country don't know all that much about the meaning of our names. It's not that massive a deal for us. But many people born in other countries take their names very seriously. That might be the case for you this morning. You know the meaning of your name. You know why your parents chose it for you. And you think of it as a really significant part of who you are. I got the pronunciation of the name of someone in the church family wrong this past week. 
And I felt quite bad about that. And I think the reason I felt bad about it is that, is that names are important parts of our identity. So in many cultures, to ask the question, what is your name? That, that is a very important one. And that was true back in Moses' day. In many ways, it's the central question of that passage that Jeremy just read for us. What is your name, God? Or to put it another way, who are you, God? That is the big question of Exodus chapter 3. And we're going to explore that question just through the first 15 verses. We'll come back to the others next week when we come to chapter 4. And there are, there are two big things I want us to see about that question, about who God is this morning. The first is the holy presence of God. And the second is the identity of God. So first this morning, the holy presence of God. Here's where we are uh, in the story. Last week we saw Moses. He had tried to stand up for, an, uh, for a fellow Hebrew, an Israelite, who was being beaten up, oppressed by an Egyptian. In the process, he'd end up killing the Egyptian. He had to flee to the land of Midian, uh, flee from Pharaoh's anger. And, uh, and he, when he got there, he saved some women from uh, men who were trying to oppress them. He ended up being taken in by, by that, those women's father, uh, the priest of Midian, Jethro. He went on to marry one of Jethro's daughters, Zipporah, and he started a family. So, so Moses has settled down in the land of Midian. And we're told in Acts chapter 7 that, that Moses lived there for 40 years. He settled into life there. He became a shepherd for the flock of his father-in-law. So there he was one day, minding his own business, taking the flock to the far side of this mountain to graze. Uh, He's there on the area of this mountain, Mount Horeb, also called Mount Sinai, big mountain in the Bible. We'll come back to it later in Exodus. And suddenly there in that moment, he sees a bush on fire that's not burning up. So he thinks, verse three, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush? doesn't burn up. Fair enough. We'd have done the same. Verse four, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. We're told that from within this bush, uh, an angel of the Lord speaks to Moses. That's just another way of saying God. So, so God is speaking to him through, from within this bush. Now, we all know that fire is dangerous. We all know that if you get too close to fire, it burns you. And yet there is something quite compelling about fire that, that draws us in. If you picture that scene where you're gathered with friends and family around a bonfire, and you, with your marshmallows, you get as close as you can to the fire without being burned. Something about it is mesmerizing. And that's what's going on here. Moses sees the fire and he steps closer and closer towards it as he hears this voice. But then God stops him in his tracks and says, Moses, don't come any closer. Take off your sandals. The place where you're standing is holy ground. Moses is in the presence of the holy God. And and God in his holiness is infinitely more dangerous even than fire. God says, therefore, Moses can't come any closer to his presence. And he's commanded to take off his sandals, sandals that would have been covered with with sand and dirt. That's used as a symbol in the Bible of of how our uncleanness, our sinfulness is shown up by God's holiness. 
And in his sinfulness, Moses can't come any closer to the presence of the Holy God. And in our sinfulness, none of us deserve to be in God's presence. Holiness means God being set apart. And in God's holiness, his complete perfection, that is utterly different to us. When each of us honestly look at what we're like, we see that in comparison, we are unclean people. None of us can claim to be without sin. Each of us ignore God in a whole host of ways. And so in our sinfulness, God's holy presence like fire is dangerous to us. Left to ourselves, each of us in our sinfulness face the anger of the holy God. And that is one of the many reasons why Jesus' sacrifice on the cross is so wonderful. In that sacrifice, he he faced the anger of the holy God in our place. Jesus faced that anger so that if we trust in him, we don't have to. If we trust in him, we're welcomed into God's presence. Listen to these wonderful words from the book of Hebrews in the New Testament. He writes, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. The most holy place there doesn't mean a a holy building, a, a church building, as if certain spaces were more holy than others. No, it refers to God's presence. It's saying that that because of the blood of Jesus, Everyone who has trusted in him can can freely come into God's presence. We can enjoy his presence wherever we are. You see, Moses was told, don't come any closer. But now because of Jesus' sacrifice, those words in Hebrew say, we can draw near to God. That is the wonderful privilege of followers of Jesus. That we get to enjoy his presence freely wherever we are, whatever we're doing. But that wonderful privilege doesn't mean that we, we draw near to God without reverence. It's important that we remember as we, as we go through life enjoying God's presence with us, he is still the same holy God as when he appeared to Moses. We're told in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 that, that as believers, our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. In other words, God's Holy Spirit is, is living inside us. That means that wherever we go, whatever we're doing, we're we're in the presence of the Holy God. So let me ask you, do you treat God with the reverence he deserves? Do you go through your, your daily life with some kind of an awareness that you are living in the presence of a Holy God? Here's a question to help us with that, to, to give us a greater awareness of that in the coming week. Ask yourself, What difference would it make to my life this week if I thought of every place where I went as holy ground? What difference would it make if we did that, if we thought of every place where we went this week as holy ground? After the service, that question and one other question will come up on the screen. And in the spirit of the course that that Claire was telling us about, that would be an opportunity when those come up just to use them as a way of talking to one another after the service and encouraging one another. So that's the first thing we learn about in this chapter, the holy presence of God. Here's the second. 
the identity of God. And it's really important we get this clear in our minds. See, many of us in this, this cultural moment that we're living in, we spend a lot of time thinking about that question, who am I? The idea is that if we, if we look hard enough within ourselves, we can work out our identity. But actually, the Bible shows us that if we really want to understand ourselves, we have to understand, start by understanding who God is. As, we, as human beings, we, we do in life generally, we look to creators to find out about their creations. And it's like that with human beings and God. If we want to find out about ourselves, we need to start out about, by finding about the identity of our creator God. So these two things are going to be really helpful for us that we see about his identity in these words. The first comes in verse 6. Look with me, verse 6. God says to Moses, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Moses has been encountering the presence of God in his holiness. But until this point, until these words, Moses doesn't know whose voice it is. And now God reveals himself. Verse 6. And did you notice, it's only after God reveals himself and his identity to Moses that Moses, that we're told he hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. We might well have expected that, that Moses would be afraid to come near to this, this sight of a bush that's burning but not being burned up. Or the voice that comes out of the bush. But actually, it's neither of those things that terrify him. It's only after God reveals who he is that we're told Moses hid his face. He was afraid to look at God. It's only, in other words, after Moses realizes that he is face to face with the living God, that he becomes afraid. God has said to him, I, I, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. In other words, here is the living God, the God that he's heard about, the God who he, who he knew appeared to his ancestors, the God who who was the God of Joseph when he settled in Egypt. The God who perhaps had seemed distant through all those long decades of, of being in slavery in Egypt. And here is that very God speaking to him. And so he's afraid, he's awestruck. As we've already seen this morning, we, we don't need to be afraid to enter God's presence if we've trusted in Jesus' sacrifice for us. But it, but it is an awe-inspiring thought that, that that God who we've trusted in is the same God. The God who many hundreds of years ago spoke to Moses from the burning bush. Our God is the same God who, who years before that appeared to Abraham and who made himself known as the promise-keeping God. And nothing has changed about this God in the many hundreds of years since then. I think that's a thought that can help us in our prayer lives because maybe there are some of us here who used to love to pray. We used to love to enjoy the presence of God. But maybe if we're honest, that, that love has just cooled a bit over the years. Maybe we now pray more out of a sense of duty than out of delight. I've been helped this week as I prayed by knowing that, that when I pray, it is this eternal God, this unchanging God who I pray to. When I pray, I'm praying to the God of Abraham. I'm praying to the eternal promise-making God, promise-keeping God, the God who can do far more than I imagine, 
The God who's kept all of those promises through the centuries. That is the God who I'm praying to. That is the God you're praying to. And if we really grasp hold of that thought, that, that, this, that we have the privilege of being in the presence of the holy, eternal, promise-keeping God, that could make a difference to how we pray this week. Not out of duty, but out of delight that we get to enjoy and speak to the God of the universe. So that is, that is one wonderful aspect of his identity in these words. He's the eternal, unchanging, promise-keeping God. And here's the second massive thing about his identity that we discover in these words. It comes, if you look, in verses 14 and 15. Just before these verses, uh, God has assured Moses that he has seen the sufferings of his people in Egypt. He said he's going to come and rescue them and, and bring them into that promised land. And now he tells Moses that his job is to go and to, to tell Pharaoh, to, to ask him to let the people go. God tells Moses, he assures him, I'll be with you as you go. But, but Moses is worried that the people won't listen to him. So verse 13, Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? And so we now come to some of the most important things God says about himself in the entire Bible. Verse 14, God replies to Moses' question, what's your name? And he says, I am who I am. That is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord The God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. In this country, when when we meet someone, typical conversation goes a bit like this. Hi there, my name's John. What's your name? And then very often the very next question is, and what do you do? But in many other cultures and in Moses' day, people's names are a massive deal. That is not the next question you would ask. You might ask, what's your name? Where did you get it from? What does it mean? Names told you something fundamental about who the person is, who their identity, their story. And already in in Exodus, we've been told that that Moses' name means draw out. It it referred to that, that moment in his early life when he was rescued from the Nile when he was drawn out of the waters of the Nile by Pharaoh's daughter. That was a huge part of his story. And then Moses, he, he named his child Gershom, which meant foreigner there. Again, because Moses had had that child while living in the land of, of Midian, a foreign land. So, so when Moses asked God, what is your name? Essentially what he's doing is, is he's saying, please tell me about you using categories I can understand. But here's God's answer. I am who I am. Or in even shorter form, I am. And then he gives us his name, which in Hebrew is probably pronounced something like Yahweh. We translate this name as the Lord in capital letters in our English Bibles. And that name is related to the words I am. So when we get the word Lord, when we read the word Lord in our Bibles, capital letters, it basically refers to this God who says, I am. And what God is doing in giving Moses that answer is he's saying to him, I can't tell you what I'm like using categories you already understand. You can't define me. 
Because there is nothing outside of me that defines me. So this morning, let these truths about who God is from these words, I am who I am, amaze you, maybe in a fresh way, or or maybe for the very first time. What God is saying to Moses effectively and saying to us this morning is, I simply am. I am being itself. I am the ultimate reality in the universe. I am the center of all things. I am the one who has always existed. I exist entirely independent of you. I am not dependent on anything at all for my existence. Everything in the universe depends on me for its existence. I am the one who can never change. I am the one who cannot be improved. I am eternally perfect. I am eternally good. I am eternally true. I am eternally valuable. I am eternally worthy of all of the praise, all of the admiration, all of the interest, all of the enjoyment of every single person, of every single living creature in the whole of my creation. I am who I am. Maybe you feel like you've lost some of the passion or confidence you once had in your faith. Maybe you look back to the early months of being a Christian, and if you're honest, your faith just doesn't seem particularly exciting anymore. Maybe it's become routine. If that's the case, can I suggest to you one of the best ways to get a passion for God again is just to spend time dwelling on and praising God that he is who he is. Praising God that he is the one great, unchangeable I am, the center of all things. Or perhaps you don't believe in God. But actually, this picture of God that we've just heard, it doesn't match up with the picture that you had in your mind. That means that the God you don't believe in isn't the living God of the Bible. This God is is far more glorious than you had imagined. The best thing that you can do is is to keep discovering more about this God. Our morning sermons back in August, which you can catch up on on YouTube, they were all about different aspects of who God is. That would be worth exploring. Keep coming on Sundays as we hear about this God. Maybe ask one of your Christian friends, why why do they believe in God? What about God excites them? And one final thought for us all this morning. Maybe as God says, I am who I am, that picture of him inevitably feels hard to get our heads around, to grasp. Well, that is why Christmas is is such glorious news. Because at Christmas, we see this eternal God, the great I am, stepping into our world. Jesus was none other than God himself in human form. He says about himself in John's gospel, very truly, I tell you, before Abraham was born, I am. And so if if we want to try and get some sense of what God is like, we don't need to look any further than the Lord Jesus. So as we celebrate his coming this Christmas, that is an opportunity to be thrilled again. That we have the privilege of knowing the living God personally as we meet him in the Lord Jesus. The only appropriate response to this glorious God, this great I am, is to worship him.
can do that throughout this week as we remember his holiness, that we're on holy ground wherever we go. But we're also going to do that in song now as we come to the words of this hymn. And this hymn is is drawn directly from Exodus chapter 3. We're going to sing these words. The God who reigns on high, the great archangels sing, and holy, holy, holy cry, almighty king, who was and is the same and evermore shall be, Jehovah, Lord, the great I am, we worship thee. So let's stand and worship this great I am together. Thanks for listening to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. For more information about our church and everything we have going on, visit our website, emmanuelcroydon.org.uk. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram to see and hear what's going on in the life of our church. God bless you and have a wonderful week. Thank you.